0: It up. chicks it up. and we fry fry it up on, it on up. eat on fry fry it fry it dish. Hey, hey. Yummy. Good morning everybody. Welcome to the Weekly Dish on my Talk 107.1. I'm Stephanie March and I'm here today with Molly Herman. Good morning. To join me in the studio and as always hope in the booth and we are in a post-fair world, my friends. <laughs> You're feeling good about that. A post fair world. I am feeling really good about that. I am, uh, it was a good slog and it was lots of fun. And, you know, we did all the things. And so then it's been done. Yeah. You caught up on sleep. No, but okay. that's, you know, because you get right off a of fair and you go into school. Right. And you roll into the world and you have other things to catch up on and all that kind of fun stuff. Do you so. ever
1: like schedule a pedicure for right after the fair since you've like walked? Australia no, I did it, it before. Did I it had before. fresh feet before. Okay. Yeah. I would do before and after.
0: Yeah. I mean, I sure. Mean, I mean, in a in a, in a world where there was time for that, <laughs> <laughs> in a world, yeah, no, I uh, I definitely made sure that my feet were pampered before I beat them up. So, okay. but I but again, yeah, I think I must have walked like five miles every day. Probably. In the end, the way That's that easy. it all like yeah. you know checks out. Yep. And uh, so that is you know it's good to balance that when you're eating nothing but you know fried carbs and stuff, fair food, sugar, <laughs> maybe,
1: sugar, maybe a few
0: beverages. A few. Day drinking was just part of the job. You know, that's how it goes. And you know what?
1: You get paid to make the big bucks just like that.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I think it was it was a record-breaking year, you know, yeah. uh, all across the board. I think the weather was... I think this is one that will, you know, will kind of hang up there as a big, shiny... Like, you know... It was almost An perfect. example of a perfect fair. Yeah. I mean, even the Monday that was raining, it happened on a Monday. Yeah. That's the best day for it to happen. For sure. So well, I was to, happy with to it. To that
1: end, uh, I hope I'm not telling any secrets, but Taco Cat, who was the second half of the Midtown Global Market booth at the International Bazaar, yeah, they had to scurry on their production of those tacos because they anticipated a few more rainy days than they actually had. Oh really? Like slower, you know, slower sales because they're at the second half of the fair. A lot of the big sales happen at the beginning of the new foods and stuff. I don't know though, because here's the deal.
0: The truth of it is the the numbers are bigger at the end. Like this is the funny part. We were talking about this because while you know the first opening day numbers, those were all records. Those are 150 Hundred thirty, hundred 30, to 50, you're getting into the 200,000 marks at the very end oh, of the so fair. So you the
1: back end of the fair is always busier. It's they busier. Just, it just seems like everybody's talking about the food at the beginning. Right. Right. Cause it's cause very true. The,
0: but I mean, that was actually a thing that I wondered because it's like you miss all the hullabaloo. But at the same time, you have got the volume that the front just doesn't have. I mean, that's 50,000 plus more people. Interesting. Like 100,000 plus yeah. more people. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of. It's kind of f- cool. So yeah. anyway, so now we're done. And now we can move on. And of course, we moved on <laughs> right into school week for most people. And uh, so we are going to talk a little bit about back to school cooking today. We're also going to talk about some essential cookbooks. And we have something fun to announce. Um, and we've also got uh, some updates on food hall situations. And we have Brent from Borough who's going to come in and talk about... Um, kind of what they have going on so but before we do that let's talk about what jeep this week uh i got to visit Allianz field for the first time this week you have never been there I've
1: your family been. is there all the time i see I pictures from know. your kid a thousand times i know they always go without me no so keith and aj have season tickets but the games are usually when i have cooking classes so i i just haven't been able, you to, haven't go. Been able to go so we went to the u.s women's national team yeah game mm-hmm. uh and it was great. The buzz was, you know, amazing. And it was super big. They were sold out. Yep. Um, so it was my first time, like, looking at all the food. And I walked around the whole stadium and Did looked at everything. And, um, Did you walk during the game? Both. Before and after. Okay. So, like, I went down, like, ten minutes before halftime. We'd okay. already scored two goals. Okay. So it was, it was okay. You're fine. <laughs> um, one other thing I was disappointed in, Keith Herman at the grand opening of the stadium, you taken this picture of this like champagne bar, oh wine bar. It's not there. No, because it was only during the opening. What I don't know, but it, yeah. it was like a major sign, and he was like, "No, it's there." I walked around that whole stadium. Huh? Not there. maybe it's just maybe they decided to axe it because it wasn't doing well. I don't know. Maybe I'm sure pizza would sell better than champagne at a stadium. Yeah, but. Anyway, they wasn't there, um, but the food was really good. I love seeing all the local places represented and um, Hot Indian, of course, you know, they um, are at Midtown Global Market, too. So I saw a mole there and they were selling out before halftime.
0: Well, but that's kind of the thing with soccer, right? I mean, like they don't that's the weird part is like it's like you either get it all in the beginning and then you sit or like it's all at halftime, right? Well,
1: and I think, you know, everybody there has had to adjust with what they're what the crowd is going to do. And so they had figured out their levels with the looms games, you know, that they can make it all the way through until they stop selling towards the end. Yeah. But he said that more people from the women's team, usually people just stop and go watch the game. Yeah. And then they'll come back. And he said it was busy the entire time for, I wondered
0: that because it's kind of like, you're not, there's also not a, a, the game isn't, it's not like it's a, you know what I'm saying? It's not like it's, it's, there's anticipation. It was a friendly match. It was a, yeah. And it was more of a social thing. I think, you know, there's An exhibition. Yes. So less of like uh, the game did, the score didn't actually matter is the point. Right. So, right. Right. So they were, they were busier. Right. The whole time. People even felt the game like they was could going do. On and, yeah.
1: Um. So yeah. Oh, it was, it was good. Hot Indian Brasa representing El Barino Mercado had those nice, uh, Tacos tacos, right? Or, oh what yeah, they had.
0: I can't yeah. remember. Like that's the funny thing. The idea that it was that the soccer season started and it was snowing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know, for a the food preview day, like I don't remember anything that's no. there. You could no. tell me there's like fried smelt, and I'd be like, Yeah, yeah. sure. That sounds good. No
1: um so yeah, it it was good. I enjoyed going, it's a beautiful stadium.
0: Yeah, and it's easy gorgeous. to get in and out of yep. and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. Um we also there is the Vikings game starts tomorrow so it's like oh, we're flipping right. seasons completely with yeah. you know while the twins are still kind of rolling I guess Uh the Vikings starts tomorrow they have a, a noon game at the stadium against the Falcons these are the things that I'm I'm reading off of somewhere. I, these are. This is not a thing that <laughs> you I know. Sounds so knowledgeable, right? This is not a thing that I know. But <laughs> it is. Uh, but the idea that that you know, it's it's U.S. Bank Stadium food now. Mm-hmm. It's their time. They have announced that Heggies is going to be their official pizza. I don't know if you heard this. I, that I feels saw, right. I, you, I saw you wrote about that in yeah. your feed. It just feels right. It feels right.
1: I just had a conversation about Heggies last night. Did you? Like what? Yeah, I'm not a fan. It's tastes oh. like cardboard. Oh.
0: There you go. Okay, <laughs> I don't think it tastes like cardboard. I I would say that I would say the genre of freezer pizza tastes like cardboard. It's true. But of the freezer pizzas, and I believe that there are moments for freezer pizzas. Yeah. That uh, of all of them, for me, Heggies is the best. Yeah. But I, I think
1: it it is very much an emotional tie for people that grew up here. Heggies is. It's sure. not something that you know we had ever heard well, of. Well, we're a we localism thing. Yeah. But it, it wasn't I around. That, when, I think that's
0: great. It wasn't around when we were kids, though. Okay, but it, in college, yeah? I mean, it's a bar pizza, you okay. know, but it really wasn't. I mean, it's not like a long standing company. It wasn't around when I was, I went to school in Wisconsin too, so that doesn't really help. But I'm just saying, it's not like I, as a kid, tucked into a Heggie's okay. pizza and that's why I have it. Oh, I thought it'd been around for a long time. Mm-mm, not okay. that long. I should look it up. Sean Doctor is the guy who founded it, but I feel like he only founded it like in the early nineties. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, it has become the darling of Minnesota. And yeah. so people love it. And the whole thing that it is, you know, breaking into the freezer pizza market is not easy and nope. they really centered around doing it through bars mm-hmm. and they're the ones who set up the bars with the ovens. And so that was like, you know, that was a really smart way of getting at, you know, people and mm-hmm. drinkers and everything else. um, But I do think, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we have freezer pizzas when... All of a sudden, I come home and the kids are sitting there, and they're like, "Well, there's nothing to eat." I'm like, "Well, you have a car now; you can go up to Speedway. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can get you a know pizza. how to do this. Yes, this is easy enough." And then all of a sudden, my house smells like burnt cheese, so it's great. Um, I came home to <laughs> so there's a few lessons. Yeah, <laughs> I came home actually to uh, kids baking cookies at one in the morning in my house. Oh well, that's not a bad thing to come home to. No, what it was were you doing? Where were you coming? Was home was twelve thirty. O'clock. It was twelve thirty. They were sleeping over. What were you, what were you doing? I was out. I was at ba- I went to Baja House last night. I went to Actually I went to go see it. Here's my movie review. It's funny. <laughs> it was funny. I like seeing Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader and you know like horror rose. But it wasn't scary. I wasn't scared. I may be jaded. I may be scared by real life more they, than I am by clowns. Did they play it straight in the movie or was it kind of tongue in cheek? I mean, I think most horror movies have a little bit of tongue in okay. have most like have the laughy moments now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't like Army of Darkness, like tongue in cheek, but it was sort of I mean, there were funny things and there were, you know, there were moments, but it just was it was it opened really strong and kind of dark and then it got. I don't know, comical. <laughs> I don't know. It was long. It was also super long. It was three hours long. You're and kidding? No, three it was hours. Three hours long. And this is chapter two. And I will tell you that Does it doesn't story arc support three. Hours? It doesn't go. It doesn't. This is the second movie too. Like the whole first movie happened, and then this is the second one. I told. Uh, I, I I said this is basically like sitting pe- through people's therapy sessions. Like that's what right. it felt like. Each character had a massive therapy session, and we were there for it. And then there was clowns and murder. You know what I mean? There was a just, little bit of that. Just sprinkled in. Just sprinkled in. So anyway, we went from there and we went to Baja House to break it down and eat some burritos. And, and so drink some tequila to wash away. I, had, I, I was a little surprised at how little fear I had from it all. You know, I had like the jumpy fear of like yeah. something comes like a little thing turns into a big thing. Like that's jumpy. That's just startling. But I wasn't like driving home at one in the morning going... Oh no! There's clowns or anything, right. you know. <laughs> I remember when Jurassic Park came out,
1: and we went to the theater, and it was dark, and he came out, and I swore that all the headlights were like
0: oh, eyes staring yes. at you. Yeah, I know. I that like was, a good. That I like. Scary. I am here for good scary movies, but I'm also here. By the way, you guys, Down Abbey. Oh yeah, that's coming. Also, do a goldfish gr- trip for that. We're gonna do that. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, you guys. When we come back. We're going to talk about the essential cookbooks you need. And we have a little announcement. A lot of you will be very interested. And this is The Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. We'll be right back. Do you need a PPC for your AC ASAP? Say that five times fast. That's a peak performance check for your air conditioner to make sure it's handling this summer heat. At Aquarius Home Services, we know your AC has been working really hard. It's been a hot summer with more hot days yet to come. For only $29, get a peak performance check and get the most from your AC this summer. Stay cool and worry-free with a $29 PPC on your AC. We're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Hey everybody! Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on this kind of I don't know cloudy Saturday. I was going to say we hadn't talked about the weather. I know yet. I hadn't given my weather report, which is just kind of cloudy. I woke up; it was chilly. I got to put on my leggings. I happy. I'm happy about that. Yeah, I'm ready for it's sweater a nice weather day outside because it hides your food, baby. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I am there for that cozy. I know. So okay, here's what we have to talk about. So it's back to school time. There's lots of books, you know, and everybody's kind of um everybody's kind of feeling like. I don't know. There's something in the air that is about the summer is just loose and free. And then you come back to school and you start to get organized. You start to sort of put things in row. Even if you don't have kids going back to school or you're not going back to school, there's something about September. I feel like you pack it in and you straighten it up.
1: I think it's because we know we're going into like full winter mode soon. So you're trying to get it all
0: <sighs> yeah. organized. I think it's maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think it's like where you're like the worker ant and you're just sort of like packing your you're your nesting. It's like, it's like the opposite of spring cleaning. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So one of the things that we thought about was that, of course, uh, you were going to probably want to you're going to want to clean up your cookbook shelf, Mm -hmm. which means here's the official announcement, guys. We are going to do the cookbook swap again this year. So we're going to do that on October 12th. Right. Is that what we said? So mark that on your calendars. We'll put a link up on the. uh, Oh, your link doesn't work. Yes. Oh, um i I'll, I'll work on that okay, you oh, work please. on that, and it's but it's gonna be October twelfth at Kitchen in the market like it has before. Remember the deal is that you come and bring your um you bring your cookbooks that you want to clean off your shelf that you're done with you want to get rid of. And then you for every cookbook that you bring you get a ticket and then we'll set them all up into the into the big you know room and then you get for every ticket you get to swap a, a book and take one home. And for those of you that have come
1: before and want to come again, we've tightened up the time frame a little bit. There was a lot of waiting around last time cuz it you know, in the beginning, it, it took a lot of time for everybody to get their books settled and yeah. buy their raffle tickets and all that kind of stuff. And we do have some uh, cool raffle prizes on the way. Good. Um, including, there's there's several options of wine that are going to oh, be Oh,
0: excellent. We like that part. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, we've tightened up the timeline a little bit. So, um, make sure you get there on time to offload your books get your raffle ticket get your champagne cocktail and a little few nibbles and then we'll go right into it
0: yep and we are doing and remember there's uh, raffle tickets everything benefits Second Harvest Heartland Mm -hmm. and all the books in the end if they don't get picked will go to Arx Valley Village yep And this is all just for charity and fun. And it's all basically in the name of cleaning out. Really, it's a transfer of ownership is what I like to say, because I just want to get rid of stuff and I want to put it into a good space. I don't want to throw things away. I want them to find new homes. And I'm all about finding new things for myself. There will be a few things that I grabbed last year that I have to bring back to the swap oh, you this didn't year. Use them. I well, I just I feel bad. Like I grabbed it and I was like, why did I take like I was sort of I was <laughs> sort of like I get the vintage cookbook bug and all I want are these old 70s microwave cookbooks. I think they're hysterical, but right, like but then they just sit on your shelf. I know and I admire them from afar. Yeah. But that's maybe something I have to work Dust on. Catcher. Um so let's talk about what I thought we should talk about today instead of the new books you're excited for, because you're gonna be coming to our swap. Um, let's talk about the 15 essential cookbooks or just the essential cookbooks that, Mm -hmm. that you should have on your own. This is, I have a list from tasting table, but Miles, I kind of want to see what you think about it and what your feeling is. I think the first thing that we always talk about is the joy of cooking. Everyone should have a copy of the joy of cooking. And I think that's a basic Bible that is a great source. Well, and they've updated it
1: several times. So it's, you know, it's not like you're. You're cooking from the original version no, that, from that is outdated. In so. fact, I
0: think they're about to re-release a new edition. I think I saw that, too. I feel like that's coming. Yeah. It's imminent. We might have talked about that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about The Mastering the Art of French Cooking by Julia Child. Do you own this? I don't. I don't either. I don't. I feel really weird that I don't have one of these now. I don't know. But we didn't I, grow up as French cooking. No. And I love Julia
1: Child. And I actually own some of her, like... The, some of the memoirs that have come out mm-hmm. recently, and those are delightful stories. I love the story of how she became a cook. Oh, I yeah. love the shows. I love all of that. But for some reason, it's not what I think I turn to when I want to just pull out a recipe to cook.
0: Well, and I think, you know, the idea of the whole uh, Julie and Julia book, which was about... You know the woman who cooked every recipe and mastering right. the art. I, in a, and then of course that spawned an entire generation of people cooking books mm-hmm. and blogging and doing the whole thing. I kind of feel, though, in a weird way, that I want to do some. I want to do that kind of a project where I want to okay. take that book and learn some of those things that I've never learned and didn't know how to yeah. do. I don't know. I might try it, so I might go find. I might go. I might, good good I might go vintage shopping before, if there's nothing after, or after the swap, if there's. And someone if you want to bring a copy, if you have copies that you don't want, I will happily pick yeah. that up. Um okay, here's one that I thought was interesting. The new best recipe by Cooks Illustrated. I'm not as familiar with that. I don't I mean, know I'm that one at all with
1: Cooks Illustrated, but I did I'm not familiar with this cookbook.
0: No, I didn't either. So it's a
1: collection of their 100 essential recipes. Yeah, but it's from America's oh, no, that's, that's a different book. Yeah,
0: that's that's the America's Test Kitchen one. This is Cooks Illustrated. Um it's like, it's basically, it's it's worth it for the ultimate recipes from the authority in home cooking, because yes, you can have 20 variations of coleslaw, they're basically saying. Okay. I mean, mm. I, I don't know if I would put that on mine. No. No. What about this? The Flavor Bible by yes. Karen Page and Andrew Dornenberg. You have this? I do not have it, but I... I know enough about it, and
1: I know that a lot of people that refer to it quite often.
0: Okay. this is It's a basically a guide to the culinary creativity based on the wisdom of America's most imaginative chefs, it says. It's about knowing how to season ingredients to coax the greatest possible flavor from them. I think that's a good thing to have. It's
1: good. It's like a color wheel, you know, with paint yeah. and stuff
0: like that. It's a, it's a good
1: basis for flavors that will work together and how to, to create that.
0: Okay. I don't have that one, That one, but I would get. What do you think about this? the Chez Panisse cookbook by Alice Waters? Hmm. Yeah. I think you have to sort of feel that. You know what I mean? Like you kind of have to like want that as part of your repertoire. I admire you know what yes,
1: and I admire what uh and uh Alice Waters have done for the food world for sure. But sometimes I think in written form especially it's it it's can a lot. get a little...
0: Do you know what I have? I have The Art of Simple Food by Alice Waters, which is... How's that? Oh, I love it. That one is a great one. It's really notes, lessons, and recipes for a delicious life. It is... That one is a little bit more... It's less flowery. It's more direct. It's more of a like a resource. That I think I would appreciate yeah, more. I, That's I, what I, flowery was a good yeah. uh, term
1: for what I was trying to say. Yeah. Thank you. You have all the words You're today. You're welcome.
0: How about The Cake Bible by Rose Levy Beranbaum? which is... I mean, I would say very popular standard
1: yeah i mean i'm not a baker so i don't own it but i know bakers professional bakers that own it and refer to it so i'm gonna say yeah essential
0: yeah i think this is one of those books i think is sort of undersung you know it doesn't get as much play as as a lot of like the you know big fancy books but i think this one is the cake bible is kind of essential i think that is essential Um, even though I think baking from my home to yours by Dory Greenspan, the next one, I have this one. I love Dory Greenspan. I will just tell you that anything by Dory Greenspan, if you don't have a Dory Greenspan book and you are a baker or you want to be a baker, then that is a thing that you need to get. She's amazing. She's just, she's just so on point and she's so 100%. I think that is, that is completely a key. Um, they, they did finally call it dry cooking. cooking, Yeah. Um, the Boston. Took a while though. Yeah. Number eight. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, the Boston Cooking School cookbook, which... This is old school. Yeah. That's a Fannie Farmer. That's the Fannie Farmer original from 1896 is what they're saying. So here's the thing. is I, I think that that's
1: essential in a historical perspective, but I yeah. don't think it's essential for today's cooks because you're not cooking the same. You, right. you're not, you don't even have access to some of the same ingredients. So I'm not going to say it's not an essential book, but I don't know that it's essential for today's cooks.
0: Yeah, although sense? they are talking about how they standardized like a level cupful, a teaspoonful, a tablespoon. You know, it's sort of like the very, very, very basic basics. Yeah,
1: so essential historically. but From not- instructions
0: on building a fire to how to bone a bird. Yeah. Wouldn't you love, I would love to read how Fanny Farmer boned a bird. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I learned that the boning of the chicken, like that was the thing that I learned that I kind of wish I could have a re... A refresher. A refresher they on have that course. YouTube for that, you know? I know.
1: I know. And you know plenty of chefs in town that could help you. Hey, but I don't
0: want that. <laughs> I don't want that. All right. I'm just going to run down the list because we got to go. Uh, Food Lab uh, from Serious Eats by Kenji Lopez-Alt. Okay. Food and Cooking by Harold McGee. I have that. That's the guest. That's like the science book. stuff, yeah. Super interesting. But they have a Martha Stewart Living cookbook, which I'm like, Fine. Italian classics, yes, yes, by Marcella Marcella Hazan, of course, of course. Dining in by Alison Roman. I was thought that was interesting that that was on that book. That's the millennial. I I have it. Familiar with that? I have it and I like it, but she's internet famous, and so I kind of feel like she doesn't deserve to be on the essentials list. Uh, Number fifteen, I have and use all the time. Pleti by Yotam Ottolenghi. Love, love. I think that's great. All right, so there you go, you guys. Think about the essentials. Look at your cookbook shelf. Think about what is essential. What is not essential. And then get ready for uh, the cookbook swap, which happens on October 12th. twelfth All right. We're going to take a quick break, you guys. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about back to school cooking. We'll be right back. This is Weekly Dish brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday. Uh, I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Molly Herman. Good morning. Who is uh, the maven behind Kitchen in the Market, in the Midtown Global Market, and also has a kid who she packs lunch for, often. (laughs) Used to. Used to? You don't do it anymore? No, when he started middle school, he was like done with uh, packed lunches. So, just to be clear, Molly used to make these beautiful bento box lunches that was like colorful and pretty and you would take pictures of them and it was like this whole thing that was just yeah. very very cool and fun and you're telling me that he says to you thanks no thanks well what ha- what happened what ha- was, happened was
1: uh in middle school they have so many more options and they have a salad bar yeah every day yeah and so he was like okay i can do this yeah like i can now create whatever what i he want wants. for lunch right and that's what he does and i think you know at some point I think there's still some of his friends that take lunches, but you know, at some point everybody just wants to have that communal experience of eating together yeah. and, you know, right. know, middle school, middle school, hashtag middle school. <laughs> <sighs> I yes, for many, many years packed his lunch. And I do have to still pack him for summer camps. I just don't take pictures of him
0: anymore. Right, right. So what did what was the big what was your what was what was your biggest thing for success for doing when you were doing his lunches? So, because kids are all unique, special
1: snowflakes. Um, my AJ did not like sandwiches in his lunches. Right. And Which so, throws a big wonky turn into huge, things. yeah, huge wonky turn, because that's what we that's grew up kind of on, a, right? Yeah, we all grew up with Slap that. Slap the sandwich in there. Yeah. Uh, so I had to figure out ways to feed him, and he had some food allergies, ways to feed him that were not sandwiches. And so there were a lot of lettuce wraps and salads and maybe a deconstructed sandwich that then he could put together later with a pita or something like that. So Okay. And that
0: was fun and yeah. he was all But about- that was the impetus for those bento boxes was because I couldn't just give a sandwich Put a sandwich, yeah, yeah, and put it down. That's interesting. Well, I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, people who don't want their kids to be eating school lunch because it's not you know, healthy or whatever. And then there's people who are, you know, for me, it was always like, that's just part of my love language is making you food. Mm -hmm. And so like for, for the, this littlest last one, that's the one that I, I always just made him lunch. But now that he's in high school, it's too hard. I mean, like make him lunch all through middle school too. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. I made him lunch all through middle school. So what was his go-to sandwiches? Uh, We had a weird rotation. We had no, I mean, and that was the weird thing. It was like, we did a lot of tuna. Like, I would make him tuna salad, and he would take and he would eat it with, like, cr- triscuits. Yep. Uh, we did a lot of caprese salads mm-hmm. and, you know, lots of fresh moths, tomato, and basil. We did, um, I would call it, we called it meat and cheese platter, yep. where you just do a bunch of gif- salami cuts and cheeses and little bits. It was like a Lunchables, but it was a house-made Lunchable situation. Yeah, that situation. was a big one in our house, too. Yeah. And then I did, like, BLT wraps mm-hmm. kind of every once in a while, where mm-hmm. that was, like, a lettuce wrap. And then he did he did do, you know, school stuff, like, you know. But, oh, pickle wraps, you guys. Pickle wraps. So with many pastrami pickle pastrami and cream cheese. Yep. Pickle, pastrami, and cream cheese. like That does sound good. I know. Like, that's a great lunch, actually. Yeah. You know? AJ's favorite,
1: I think, of all time was what we called the brat salad. Oh. So, it was a salad, like, you know, with romaine, because it's a lettuce that'll hold up more yep. in a uh, lunchbox. Um, hearty vegetables, like cucumbers and carrots. And then I would... Sort of pan fry off sliced brat, so yeah. it sort of got crispy on the edges, right? And just like put that over the top of it, and that was his lunch. There was no dressing needed, right? Because no. it had all that flavor in it, right? Um, I think that was one of his favorites. That's interesting.
0: And I will he? Salad. Will he come back to that? Like, will he? If you ever made it and then he'd be like oh that was lunch way back in the day kind of a thing you know
1: what's funny now is he's on his own more at night now and we always have brats in the fridge so I think he fixes it himself he
0: does it himself Yeah. so this is I did put a question on the Facebook page you guys because speaking of like school lunch The funny thing is, like, you know, we all grew up, I mean, you know, either you made your lunch or people made your lunch for you or whatever, And but there's also the school lunch. And I was kind of wondering, because Molly didn't go to school as a kid up here. No. Did you have the same, like, what were your big, like, school lunches at school? I think
1: probably about the same. You know, there was the turkey and mashed potatoes. Uh, There was the, we had um, French bread pizza.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people talked about the pizza that came in the aluminum pan. Like but ours wasn't in a pan. Though. No, it was
1: it was made at the. So all of our food was made at the school. Yeah, um, it wasn't. I guess until the seventies and eighties that they started, you know, commissarying that.
0: But um, rectangle pizza. A lot of people are saying that. I remember yeah. that too. Like on a French bread. Like on yeah. it was like. It was like, yeah, the burgers that we had were strangely addictive, but they definitely were
1: like a mix of soy and hamburger. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't full on 100 percent beef. But my favorite thing that I remember is they had these freshly baked yeast rolls. Oh, so they would have these giant pans and you could like you could walk down the halls of Cork Elementary and smell that City, bready, <laughs> bready goodness, and they would brush the tops with butter. Oh, and it was just amazing. Yeah. If Keith is listening, he's probably he Julie would probably right be like, here, "Yeah, we did go to the same elementary school." That's gross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys are the hot grossest, cutest little like <laughs> sweethearts I've ever met. Um, okay, so I mean, this is the thing: is like for me, it was straight up, you know, a wiener roll up, which is the weirdest thing ever, which was a hot dog on a piece of toast. It was like a bread. It was a piece of bread that had been sort of folded up like a bun and like either pinned somehow, but it, and then toasted and it had like ketchup on the bottom. And it was weirdly like, (laughs) I can't even tell you how weird it is to think about it, but it was like, ah, wiener roll up day. Yes. I have never seen or heard of such a thing. I know. Why would you? I don't understand what these people in the seventies were doing with their school lunches.
1: We had the, like, hot dogs that were wrapped in, like, you know, the crescent roll.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's stuff. way too in a, fancy. In a blanket. That's way too fancy. This was a piece of white bread that was somehow folded up, like, corner to corner. Oh, that's awesome. Like, a little package, except for the bottom was, like, ketchup-laden. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't get soggy? No. Well, kind of. But yeah. The <laughs> thing, and then the other thing was goulash. Did you ever have goulash? People, what the heck? I mean, like I didn't have goulash anywhere else in the world except for at school lunch, and it was just—I mean, it was basically like it was like a bolo. It was like noodles and meat, and then but there was like peppers or something in it that made it kind of like not Italian. (laughs) It was called goulash, and you either the not Italian. You either like loved it or you hated it.
1: Yeah. Gosh, I don't remember that. I remember us having good lasagna. Oh, I, don't remember.
0: I also remember Sloppy Joe's was the only place oh, because I have joes. a German mother who had no idea what the heck yep. Sloppy Joe was I and she wasn't going to open a can and pour out a Sloppy Joe for dinner so like I was like at school I was like oh my god it's Sloppy Joe Day and I thought it was a miracle
1: I loved Sloppy Joe Day I'm not going to lie yeah yeah isn't that strange and cobblers we had a lot of cobblers did you maybe that's a southern thing I think that might be
0: lots of pizza pizza burgers up here lots of pizza burgers Um, a lot of Italian dunkers we've talked about that that's more of Hopi's generation I feel like than mine I know my kids were all about the Italian dunkers which is basically pizza bread in marinara right you know what I mean like why not Alright, so, but as we're talking about, uh, you know, school lunches and the memories of it all, there's a lot of, a lot of places out there, you guys, that want you to, um, (laughs) that can help you with your school lunch. Like, Bon Appetit has 52 quick and easies, and some of them are good, like, you know, cold pasta, that was something else we always Mm -hmm. used to put in, like, tortellini. Sure. or whatever and just basic sandwiches but the idea that th- stuff gets boring one of the things that we i did end up putting in you know hard-boiled eggs or frittatas it did make a lot well, of that's, frittatas. A good one, that's a good room, room yeah. temperature yeah one and you of can the things for
1: hard-boiled eggs that i did when aj was little was i actually hard-boiled quail eggs oh which sounds a little precious it does sound really, a lot precious to me <laughs> it's not that precious right um but they're just like they're the perfect size for
0: little people you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of a big egg well, and, then and like little poppers. Here's the thing for me at this point, I get it, like we all talk about these cute little lunches. And I think that it gets yeah. like you get into this space where you're still caring for your little person. But like I still want to make lunch for my giant human, you know? And right. he's a teenager now. And I still want to make him like a good lunch to send him off to school so he's not just eating the cheeseburger line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's there's less out there for to help me with that. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is how to... So I'm going to make this uh, miso chicken salad that I saw on Epicurious and make a big batch of that. Or making a big batch of rice and then letting him have that. But I wish they could heat things up. They can't do that. And that makes me crazy.
1: Black beans and rice or something like that would still be okay. Like a black bean and rice salad. Oh, black bean quinoa salad. I have a quinoa salad. That's
0: my summer quinoa salad. So good. But that's also not... I don't know. That's like, that's not his favorite to have black beans. So, all right. So there you go. You guys, we're going to take a quick break. we come back, it is the ask Stephanie portion of the show. So feel free to give us a call. Six, five, one, six, four, one, one, oh, seven, one. And we will answer all your questions and uh, maybe talk about more food. We'll be right back. This is the weekly dish. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us. We are in the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, guys, which means you can give us a call, 651-641-1071, or if you need to send us a little note on the old Twitters or on uh, Facebooks, we'll try to get to any of the questions you email us. Right. Sometimes it doesn't show up, um, you know, until after the segment. So sorry about that. I did get a little note about goulash. I got to tell you. Did you? Yep. She says, we love goulash so much at my house, Sarah. She said she heard us talking about it. She loves so much at my house. And there are a few recipes we make. I just shared this one on my my recipe sharing website. If you ever have a hankering to make this at home, so good. It's her grandma's recipe. Heavenly hot dish. uh, And I'm going to put it up. Perfect. Because Goulash. Perfect. I think goulash is kind of hot dish, but it's also more, it's like a meatier thing. Of Isn't it. goulash usually
1: using like cubes of beef, though? Not like ground beef? I guess it can I mean, be in you school, it, it was ground
0: beef. Okay. And I feel like it's also that whole paprikash, you yeah. know, is like in that yeah. same. It's supposed to be sort of uh a, a Eastern European. I don't know. Yeah, I want to say like Slavic almost, you know, mm-hmm. idea of something. I associate it
1: with, you know, Russian.
0: Did you, you did have it? Or, are you, you saw I it. Assoc- okay. I associate it with like yeah. Russian right eastern european gosh i know okay like yeah that's kind of crazy um so we are uh, so yeah give us a call 651-641-1071 um also i wanted to talk a little bit about how you have to cook also for when we're talking about school cooking and you're cooking for not just you know it's not just lunch that we're talking about we're talking about cooking for <laughs> snacks and fourth meal, all of a sudden you have to stock your f- house differently and your whole food system goes wonky. Yep. At least for me, it does. Well, and our breakfasts change because AJ has to
1: wait longer to get to lunch too or, and he has to eat breakfast early. So it's like maybe heartier breakfast before he even gets off. So it lasts him longer.
0: And then because he comes home from school, you may or may not be there. You know what I mean? Like the parent working fluctuation. Mm -hmm. Do you stack the the fridge with things so that, you know, like he'll eat something because fourth meal is a real thing.
1: Yes. And I think that we, we sort of do that over the summer too, though, because my, my you know, he's at home by himself and has to figure out his own meals most of the time now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always stocked with, with, what he likes to snack on. Okay. And then the occasional treat, like, you know, Pop-Tarts or... Oh, look at you go. The organic ones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the ones at the co-op. I make them myself. No, good God, no. Oh, my God. I did see at Constantine, did you see this, that they had, um, just until, like, it's limited for the end of summer, uh, they make their own Pop-Tarts there. Yeah. The, it's a Pop-Tart ice cream
0: sandwich. Oh, Wow! Yeah, you know the the self made Pop Tarts got a weird you know the the they DIY had they surge. had a weird surge at the end of this summer with from like uh, Bon Appetit or somebody I think one of their editors made it and then people started freaking out and making their own. I feel like I was seeing it more last year too though. Oh really? Like it was there was a little surge, but it went,
1: yeah, it, it's died down.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, well, just this last summer there was a couple things, but I kind of feel like. I don't know. I don't. I don't have any need to make pop tarts. Yeah, I don't. that's am gonna not use a thing. my time in other I, ways. I absolutely get driven by what they do. You know, like the when the national food media gets into a space and they all start making like cacio e pepe. I totally, sure. I like, totally. Well, because you it. start
1: craving it, you're like, oh, yeah. right. that forgot. Well, about and that. It kind
0: of, you know, just a nice like inspirational thing. It's kind of fun.
1: Speaking of cacio e pepe, that is a perfect weeknight meal for everybody in your family when you get home and you can throw it together super quick. Do you want to talk a little bit about
0: what, how quick and how you do it?
1: So whatever pasta you use, whether it's fresh or dried, you know, cook your pasta. You're going to need some of that pasta water. Yeah. So make sure you start the pasta. Um, And it's just lots of, I mean, you can put some garlic in it. Sometimes I jazz it up with some onions. But, you know, mostly it is um, a lot of, it's some oil, lots of pepper, some salt, and some Parmesan cheese. Butter.
0: I think a lot of Parmesan cheese. Don't a lot. you? A Shouldn't lot, it be a lot, like a lot? lot?
1: Like that's the main thing. A lot in it because that's with the pasta water, you're sort of melting that all together in the pan. I don't ever use pasta water. I'm just, oh. that's not my thing. You know what? I always do because if I'm adding, if I need to thin something out, it has the starchier quality yeah. to it. Yeah.
0: No, I hear you. I guess I just don't. I don't I like I know like every every pasta recipe from like the history of the world seems to say reserve a fourth cup of your pasta liquid. And I don't I throw my pasta right into the pan that I have usually yeah. sauteing with stuff and I don't ever I never use it. So usually if I'm making a sauce and I have the pasta
1: going, I'll scoop some out and use that liquid in the sauce and then I still put my
0: Yeah. pasta in there. Yeah. Depends on the sauce. I guess. I guess maybe I tend to do more of like tomato you know, base sure. things or, like, acidic. That. Yeah, I think that's where I go with it. It's funny, though, because I know, I feel like it always says it, and I'm always like, I don't, I just don't do that. Yeah. And it's not like I'm against it, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't do it every time, but I think
1: it's especially important for cacio e pepe, because mm-hmm. the, that starch in the water is going to help that yeah. cheese and make that sauce that sticks to the noodles, sure. and that's what you want. So sure.
0: Good. I like it, I like it. Um... There is uh some ideas of our as like doing quick meals on the fly. Do you have do you have like a go-to like if you have practice, and, you know AJ is a soccer player, mm-hmm. you guys have to come home before games. Is there a thing that you do like either before game or after game?
1: No, cuz those game times are so weird. So it right. changes all the time. But I would say the go-to's in the Herman house are um a frittata because yep. that's super easy and everybody will eat it and easy to put a salad with and call it done. And it's protein. And it's protein. Um tacos. We do a lot of tacos. Do you do a lot of yeah. tacos? Yeah. And so there can be some a fast version of tacos and then there's like the all out like let Molly make 20 different toppings to put on tacos night, which is not the quick easy version. Yeah. So we have those two. Um and then I'm I'm pretty good at whipping out some some pastas. Right? That are fast. That are fast. Yeah.
0: Um, I've been finding, honestly, I mean, let's talk about uh, the Instant Pot for just a second because I've been finding that... It wouldn't be a weekly dish without talking about I, Instant Pot. I know. How could we? <laughs> um, but I'm just saying that the idea of taking frozen chicken breasts and throwing them in the pot for 20 minutes at the most, you mm-hmm. know, has is totally one of those things where that changes the idea of like what we can do right. after because I don't, I don't, it's so easy and it's so good to be able to kind of do something on the flash like that Mm -hmm. and still have something you can dress up. You know what I mean? So that has changed my... Because it used to be like I would make a pasta or whatever, but I wouldn't have a protein with it or something. And because everything would be frozen. So that really changed my game on that one. And I really liked that.
1: Well, and I would say a mashup of the two of the things that we do um there's nothing wrong with breakfast tacos yeah
0: for dinner and that's fast and easy but we don't and here's another weird thing like we eat eggs every single morning so we don't ever do breakfast at dinner because we eat eggs every morning so that's like a thing that i miss double egg family i know but i'm just like nobody wants it like i'm always like i'll eat an egg every dinner everything oh my gosh hey we have a call on the line we have kim on the line what's up kim Hi, I wanted to know um how to preserve my herbs from the garden. I have basil, oregano, and rosemary. It's, how are you
1: wanting to use them? Yeah.
0: Um for the future just like this over the winter? You know, yes. Yeah, you just have to dry them. I mean, honestly, if you hang them upside down, if you pick them from the stem and then you kind of hang them upside down, they will dry beautifully. And then you can kind of pull them off and crumble them up and keep them in an airtight container. And if you're wanting to do
1: something where you're using them more in a fresh capacity, I would say you could um, food processor them or, you know, chop them really finely with a little bit of olive oil and then put them in like the ice cube trays or in some little container and freeze those. And then you're just popping it out and adding it to whatever dish you're using and it melts. Yep.
0: Okay. And I also have um, another question. Can I grow cilantro inside? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can do most window? of those herbs as long as you have enough sunlight. I was gonna say you need a window. Yeah. Then you can totally do it. And then I heard something about the uh, the little green onions. Yeah, you can grow green you can you can have any kind of garden inside you want, really. Just sunlight and water. Just sunlight and water. Oh great. Thank you
1: guys so much. You're Thanks, welcome, Jim. have a good day.
0: All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. Join us for the second hour of the show where we are going to talk a lot about fun things happening in town in food. We'll be right back. This is The Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. This is a summer to stay connected, locally. From the pandemic, to protests, to the upcoming election, there is so much
1: information to take in. And on PodMN, you can access hundreds of Minnesota-made podcasts on one app. Current events, health information, political talk. Plus, you'll find podcasts about sports, true crime, and more. Pod MN also comes with listener rewards. In July, you can win gift cards to local restaurants, shops, and more, just for listening. Download Pod MN on your phone's app store, or learn more by visiting PodMN.com. Minnesota podcasts live here.